welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Was the famous Amityville horror case real? If ghosts don't have physical bodies, how can they speak? How legitimate are paranormal experiences people have when they are at the edge of sleep? Hello and welcome to Behind the Paranormal, the 689th edition of Us. I am Ben and those ethereal questions came from my co-host, dad, and partner in the paranormal, Paul. And as we bring you an open line show today, we welcome back our frequent uh, co-host, Shane Searway. Uh, and we welcome your calls and emails. It's 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Or Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com if you'd like to send an email. All right, so let's get started. Okay. Uh, we can <coughs> have a, a bunch Malfoy. of... Um, a what, Ben? Give it a Malfoy. Okay. <laughs> these are from Facebook, and you're going to tell me. We already read these, and I don't think we... Well, no, I crossed I crossed <clears throat> them off. I, yes, I know we got halfway through this question from Cindy in Douglas, Massachusetts. Exactly. So, I mean, did you want to pick up from there? Why don't we do that in um, justice to, to Cindy? All right, well, let's start from, start from the very beginning, I guess, so that okay. we have context. So Cindy from Douglas, Massachusetts writes to us, uh, have you ever done any research on Orang Pendek? I have heard there is a fossil, uh, there is fossil evidence in existence, uh, but people are, are still seeing it. Is it common for people to see extinct beasts? Which we answered. Uh, and then she continues to ask, when are you going to give us another report from the Pennsylvania Triangle where you both saw Bigfoot? What is happening with the Triangle Flaps in Massachusetts? Well, uh, in, in answer to that, in a way, uh, we have a, uh, <coughs> one from the, uh, Connecticut case, and then we can take the rest from there. Uh, if you want to take this one, this is from Donna in uh, the house that is well known to us yeah. <laughs> as sort of the center of the Litchfield Hills Triangle or the Litchfield Connecticut, uh, Litchfield County Triangle, however you want to put it. And this uh, only came in the other day. Uh, Donna keeps us posted quite regularly. She is very good at that. So Donna writes to us, so as usual, things are still going on here. Uh, but I have noticed that much of the activity seems lately to be centered in the corner of the staircase in the living room. I gave my uh, black lantern of, of uh, swinging frame to my grandson. Fame. Uh, th- 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 let me just give some context to that, if I may, Ben. Sure. Uh, there was um, there were reports, and Shane, you probably, because you're, you're working this case too. Yes. There was a lamp that would, would swing... For no apparent reason, uh, no wind and all this business, and this is something we, uh, there are, there are, a new, well, a number of explanations of that sort of thing, but that's the, that's the lamp uh, referring to. Sorry, Ben, go ahead. All right, so he has uh, quite the lantern collection, apparently. Uh, so once it was gone, Bob and I uh, were, uh, had been sitting in the recliner in that corner, and he has mentioned multiple times that the TV table near his chair keeps moving. You know, Bob. No nonsense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's been <laughs> working this case for ten years, so yeah, we know. We know. He's very, very Bob, matter everybody. of fact. Uh, but he keeps saying it is moving. Also, the doors to my medicine cabinet keep opening and closing. And an hour later, it's open again. Uh, another night, I went in and it was wide open. So I stepped into the living room to ask Bob if he was in there. He said no, and so I turned around to go and close it, and it was closed. Uh, we have been uh, we've been having bangings in the house too. I wonder if it's in the basement, but um. Anyway, she continues, uh, I wanted to tell you that we took a ride up by the quote-unquote farm the other day and had my daughter in the car, and she wanted to have a look. The gates were wide open, but there was a black SUV parked close to the front of the barn and a tan SUV parked across the driveway from it. Nothing moving, no equipment, no people, no lights, no life there. Very flat feeling. 
This farm, uh, for those of you who are dedicated listeners, you will know that this is the center of what was a center of military activity in 2009 and 2010, and we suspect that there is some sort of research going on there because there's certainly no farming. So that's all the background of that. Shane, your reaction to the latest report? I want to go back. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's been, I've been wanting to get back down there anyway. Uh, I, I, we went down just to visit one time, you know. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, I stop by, I stop by there now and then because we're, we're doing a lot of work in the Triangle area. Uh, over the last year or so, really two years, there's been a lot of Bigfoot work, meeting with witnesses, things of that kind. And, uh, I always stop by there. And of course, in the course of actually, it's not 10, it's 12 years of working this case. Ben and I found out that Donna is a distant cousin of ours. Yeah. Is, you know, old, old New England family. Yes. It doesn't so. surprise me, though. You know, I've seen this happen a lot in, in areas that we suspect that the rivers or streams or water bodies are contributing factors um, in the springtime that, you know, water, water starts moving again, you know, and everything. And uh, it's, things seem to kick up you know, a little bit more. Yeah. Well, that's true. Um, Although the things she reports, especially cabinets opening and closing mm. and that sort of thing, uh, is quite common. Yes. In, in the in these cases, uh, Ben, I don't know if you remember because uh, you weren't involved in '98 when we started this uh, the case in in Burlville, Rhode Island. I, I was not. Well, I was. I was. You seven, grew. You so. grew into it. Well, yeah, yeah. You were. You we didn't want to rush you. You grew into it, and we, we were still working that until the people moved, and there was. Uh, Constant reports of sometimes very violent opening and closing of, of the, the wooden doors of the cabinets, this sort of thing. And I'm wondering, uh, there are a lot of things in many of these cases, and in Donna's case, uh, the moving of the lamp and this sort of thing, which could be explained uh, partially or fully by infrasonics. Yes. You know, uh, the setting up of a standing wave in a house, a sound wave that you can't hear with your ears. Maybe animals can hear it. And uh, it can create movement, but it, it can't really do major poltergeist activity. This, this is a, a sort of a scientific principle that was discovered in the 90s in the sense of uh, the sound waves uh, being able to affect material objects, uh, you know, the, this this sort of thing. So that's one possible explanation. A simple way to detect that, too, is just with a sheet of uh, paper. Yes. You just hold it out in the air. Exactly, yep. And if so, if you got objects moving, you do that in, in the direction, and it's paper will, like someone's blowing on it, mm-hmm. you know, it would move just like that. I do find that the, that the much vaunted EMF meter, electromagnetic field meter, that all, that all the ghost hunters uh, rely upon and don't really understand, mm. uh, can at times help in this. Uh, I remember there was uh, in, right in our own house when the there was seemed to be a standing wave because some things were happening which were, it was not something you expect when you are an investigator <laughs> in your own house, and it turned out that your brother uh, Ben had a, a very questionable. Uh, Filter pump on his fish tank. Oh yes, I remember it, that. You brought me up there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. and it was pumping out you know, fantastic amounts. Yes, of um, electromagnetic energy, and led me right to that. We turned it off, and what what the meter did was it, it just went flying into the two thousands. It's milligauss too into the into the two thousands, which is high enough to cause a health hazard. Oh yeah, and off we go, and there it was, and we disconnected the pump. Uh, the uh, field disappeared and sort of the, the phenomena, which were very rudimentary anyway. So, um, there could be a standing wave in that house. I, I, we've detected some, you have better equipment than we do actually, so hmm. I think we should make a point of going down there, uh, next time and, and trying to find out if there's a standing wave in the house. Yeah. But of course those can come and go. Right, absolutely. Uh, so you can possibly trace it to a, even a refrigerator, um, 
hair dryer, uh, any kind of electrical uh, a ventilation system. Well, I mean, there's a lot of groundwater there too. There is a lot of groundwater. It's 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 pretty much just. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember correctly. Um, they they don't have they have quarries over there too, right? In the air. Well, uh, uh, some people have pointed out there's a limestone. There's a lot of limestone. Oh, for some reason, I thought it was quartz. Litchfield County. Well, there's quartz too. Oh, okay. But there is some opinion that limestone can is conducive to. The, but it's not yeah. really not very conductive, so I, I yeah. don't really know if that's true. But people have said limestone can. Well, uh, I'd, I'd want to see what an engineer has to say about it. Well, yeah, exactly. I'll tell you, the first night they stayed um, at, at Don and Bob's house, it was with William Hall and uh, his friend Ray, um, who's, who's the photographer. Mm. Um, they had fallen asleep, and um, I was there to do a job so I, I stayed up most of the night and um and i heard uh it sounded to me like laying there exactly like those turkey roaster tins being kicked around the kitchen and yeah, the kitchen is a center of yeah activity there yeah so i didn't want to get up and walk around but th- that's when i also heard that little girl it sounded like marbles being thrown all over the house yeah. bouncing around um i heard the little girl girl talk but in the morning i got up i went into the kitchen and she actually did have turkey roaster tins on top of our cabinets and they were i don't know if it was from what i was hearing but they were kind of like caved in like they were dented and all that yeah so but it's exactly what i was hearing so well there was the uh tomato sauce incident uh in that kitchen as well oh and in, uh, in the dinner plate that yeah the dinner, yeah yeah and uh sometimes when uh, donna would have been cooking in there there was uh, stuff that would move around and all but it's um some of the stuff in that, it, it does seem to be a, a real center. As a matter of fact, we, we call it point one mm-hmm. of the triangle. The second point being the farm we just mentioned, and the third point being rather problematic because Ben had some interesting experiences there. So, But it is a, a, a very active case, has been for the last at least 65 years, probably more, and uh, we'll just continue to... Uh, Take a look at it now. When we we've slept there, and it was, and I've, I've slept there just myself, and um, in different places, and I have never heard anything. Mm. You know, um, Donna says that whatever uh, is going on doesn't like us, and then starts up after we leave. So, <laughs> so in a way, you're kind of luckier than we are. But, but that's the latest on that. Uh, as far as the Pennsylvania case is concerned, we're going to be heading down there, the three of us. Oh yes, uh, first weekend of June. And uh, we don't really, we do get kind of regular reports from there, but they're spotty and they're from different people. Uh, it's more of the same. Uh, more Bigfoot sightings, a lot of strange lights, things we ourselves have seen uh, right off the bat down there. And I believe we have a caller. We do indeed. Okay. Phil from Orange. Phil from Orange, Massachusetts. Uh, welcome to ON 1240. Hello, everybody. How are you? Oh, pretty fair. Thank you. Good. How are you? Well... As, as discussed just before your show started, I am curious about um, your opinion regarding what seems to me the prevalence of entities that we see from the past, whether it's Roman soldiers or Gettysburg soldiers, um, as opposed to the people who will occupy our spaces in the future. And I know that some people think that the the graves or whatever are coming from the future, but um, they have to live somewhere. They, they can't be on those ships all the time. So 
There, yeah. there have to be humans in the future occupying spaces that we walk through. We, ne- we don't seem to see them, or am I misinformed? Well, one point I think we have to make, Phil, is is that past and future are relative terms, and I use that term deliberately because <laughs> Einstein did. Right. Obviously. The, it's a matter of, of uh, everything being simultaneous in, in the objective sense. We experience it past to future. So to say that something is from the future or from the past, uh, something that we are seeing in a paranormal sense or feeling or whatever, uh, is really rather arbitrary. Okay. However, your point is is a very good one. Why do we not see the Jetsons, you know, people flying around? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, uh, one reason for that may be that, uh, well, people have asked about flying cars. How come we don't see? Well, we do see things flying through the sky that we don't identify. We call them UFOs, unidentified flying objects. There are other terms. Uh, <clears throat> not, not to mention my personal opinion that flying cars are <clears throat> extremely impractical <clears throat> from a safe, safety <laughs> point of view. There may be very few worlds where they actually exist. But <clears throat> when we have overwashes and intersects and things of this kind, uh, you know, wh- why don't we see... Uh, futuristic-looking people and all this. Well, we do, <clears throat> and very often, almost always, I think we they, we call them aliens, uh, they, because we. What else could they be? We do have reports, uh, particularly from the UK lately, probably because we have more contacts there than most other countries, except here in Canada. Uh, is that? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, people do report walking out their front doors and being in a neighborhood that is just different. Okay, uh, where the cars look different, where uh, the oh. people are dressed differently, this sort of thing, um, and different uh, is futuristic. Maybe but just because it's not in our own experience, it might be considered futuristic. I'm thinking also of the case of the uh, the uh, the living ghost town in Utah, which, oh, yeah. we, which we talk about in in uh, our new book, um, mm-hmm. Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know Is Wrong, and. Uh, the cars were different. People were speaking Dutch. I mean, that to us could have been the future. And uh, the people who drove in from, well, they were from Providence, uh, touring the country, uh, very interested in history and ghost towns, uh, drove in there. Uh, they, they may have been, cur- they certainly were curiosities to the people who were in the town. Well, uh, they didn't recognize their money. Universe. Yeah, well, precisely. And, and this is, uh, would this have been the future to us? Perhaps. Um, the, the little boy in Florida who was encountering what what certainly seemed to be his own descendant, born exactly 100 years after he was, and he was the invisible friend. Uh, long story, but I, I think I mentioned that in, in my talk yesterday, because we, we all were speakers at the uh, the great event at New England Parafest yesterday. Uh, so th- there are plenty of examples, I think, of what to us would be the future manifesting as in, in paranormally, but we don't generally see it that way. And that doesn't mean it's really not from our future, in, in the relative sense. Do I? Do you understand what I'm getting at? Yes. It, it just seems like when "quote unquote" ghost hunters, and I know you hate the term with good reason, ah. when they when they go to you know Alcatraz or or an old Civil War battlefield or a mental institution that's been shut down, there's invariably energies in those spaces left behind and they see us so when do we get to see our descendants unless it's these graves in which case the implication is that the surface of the earth became uninhabitable 
that that's one of the opinions. And maybe Alcatraz, I hope, well, I, I wouldn't want to see any of my descendants in Alcatraz, frankly. <laughs> yeah. And secondly, Alcatraz may have no future in our right. particular t- right. stream of consciousness at the risk of using a literary term that I never liked either. But uh, but you get what I'm saying. And maybe there is no uh, future for a place like that or, or for the psychiatric hospitals people are always investigating. I know I worked in one when it was existing, and I'm glad it's closed. And, and so these are all... Again, it's all quite relative, but maybe they, there is no no future in that sense. Uh, one of the the telling examples that we might cite is uh, Jim Penniston uh, during the mm-hmm. Randall's and Ben has threatened to change his name if I uh, mention Randallsham again oh, God. because we covered it ad nauseum. Uh, but his opinion, uh, Penniston's opinion, he was one of the original uh, Air Force security people in the forest on uh, the, in the December of. Um, 1980, when these these craft were landing, he supposedly touched a craft right. in, in a hypnotic in a hypnotic state. Uh, later on, uh, under hypnosis, I should say, he said that uh, these were not aliens; these were us. Uh, right. And there is an opinion that these are our descendants. Um, so even the funny-looking gray people, and, and people do see. As a matter of fact, in some of our cryptid research uh, for our next book that's hopefully coming out in June, there is a, a, a case in France where uh, two classic aliens were seen to emerge from a craft, and then two ordinary-looking human types like ourselves, because you and I are very ordinary-looking fellows, we, we've met, uh, and uh, a Bigfoot, at least one, uh, what someone would describe as a Bigfoot, emerged from the craft as well, so... There seems to be everything happening out there, and whether it's the future or the past, in our arbitrary relative sense, is right. anybody's opinion. It's, so a that, that's over, it's an oversimplification. Um, yeah. I know, so Shane uh, or Ben has a comment on that? Yeah. I, I think, you know, like Gettysburg and Alcatraz, these penitentiaries, the, the asylums and all that. Um, I, I think if there is, you know, people see the, you know, apparitions of soldiers or, or hear the screams of somebody, you know, at, a, at an asylum. Um, these are places that, where dramatic events took place and, and emotions, strong emotions seems to cross over through the yeah. parallels. Um, and we find that in, in investigations too. I mean, in homes where people live as well. Um, emotion is huge and, and, uh, dramatic events are huge. And, you know, this would, to, to me, explain, uh, things that everyone like to, likes to call residual haunting. I don't like that term. It's impossible. Your home is not a DVR. Um, <laughs> so. That's a pretty good quote. It's quote of the day right there. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> But uh, but definitely uh, emotions, uh, strong dramatic events that cause ripples um, and cross over into our parallel is, is I think, a better way to put it. Excellent. Yeah, uh, Ben, any thoughts on that? Oh, sure. I always have thoughts. Thoughts are great. Um, <laughs> I, I, think, I always think it's interesting that when people, especially like ghost hunters, go to visit Gettysburg and they do EVPs and stuff. Like, all, all the all the recordings they get are all in, you know, they sound like modern day people just talking like, oh yeah, I was, a, I was in Gettysburg kind of stuff. I think <laughs> one of the things that I always like to point out is how we perceive the phenomena. You know, I think, I think perception plays a lot into how we view the phenomena. So what you get in is what you put out. So if someone goes there expecting to see people from the past, of course you're going to, you know, interpret stuff as people from the past. But who knows? Maybe somewhere, somewhere, the Civil War happened in the future, and we somehow yeah. regressed to 1885 in the year 2085 or whatever. I mean, who knows? It's it, Every day is the first day of school, and we could be interpreting this 
terribly and could be entirely wrong. That's the second best line of the day. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, Phil, great question. Thanks for calling in. Thank you, gentlemen. Keep, Thank you. Keep up the great work. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, Ben, who's next? Uh, let's see. We have Shep with a rather interesting question. Hope, I'm pretty sure he's not from the Three Stooges, and we do not know where Shemp. he is from. Shemp. I'm <laughs> you're sorry. You're too young to remember that. Well, Shane, you're too young to remember. Oh, no, I remember. Oh, boy. Reruns. So, Shep writes to us, as Paul would say, what the hay is going on with the disclosure movement? Uh, one minute they're going to spill everything, and another, there's no information. Well, that's a good question. We, we had, uh, what, two or three weeks ago, we had uh, Russ Kalka and uh, Dr. Um, Galarno on, and we were talking about that very question. They are sort of the heirs of... Um, uh, uh, senior woman, Bassett. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, Stephen Bassett. Stephen yeah. Bassett, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, sorry, uh, <laughs> I was, I was losing it too. I was, yeah. like, I was like, I know who these people are. Yeah, oh, we had a long day yesterday. Anyway, um, the, the the questions. I, I still have not really had the questions. Our questions answered to my satisfaction, and that would be, well, what if the tr- what, How do you know the government really knows? any more than than we do? Although there is evidence that they they do, uh, or is it something? other than the government that might know more about the UFO thing and the disclosure is just to come out, blurt it all out and tell everybody what they think is going on. Are you familiar with Tom DeLonge? Yes. And what he's what he's stating? What's he stating exactly? Well, the newest is that, well, for one, he's, he's got an in, he says, uh, and he, he's talking about like generals and top guys and, and, and uh they're they're using it. Well, the proof is that he he actually is because the, the the WikiLeaks have proven that he's talking to all these people. Well, if they're um, accurate, yeah. If, if they're, but I saw the you know they're, they're posting yeah, the I actual emails. Yeah, I looked at some of that. So, um, but what he's stating now, and this sounds kind of bizarre, he wants dis- disclosure to happen, and he's helping them. He says to um, on how to do it without causing mass chaos. You know, so his suggestion, and he said that they liked it, was. To create a series of international There's movies, black helicopter right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Mike's can pick it up. <laughs> to make movies, international films um, that will slowly reveal what we know and what's been happening with, you know, alien. Well, supposedly that's been going on since the fifties. Right. So yeah. the, the, they're gonna. This is what he's saying. Um, um, some of the stuff he says, I think, is questionable. Questionable, but. He's been able to back up a lot of the stuff too. So, um, but he's saying that he, he's talking to them about making like real good movies, like you know, like a Star Wars movie, but based on the truths that they know, um, to also inform the public about the dangers of some of these alien species. Because he, as he puts it, is none of them are nice. They hate us. It's what he says. Well, that's that's a <laughs> cheerful thought, isn't that's it? That's like almost. I, I always think it's interesting when we have different different points of view on the motives of of um, alien alien creatures as as certain as people understand them as you know creatures that are far away right. in, in <laughs> space. And I I think I think the big problem with the disclosure movement is all the assumptions we make because really we don't know anything about these about about you know extraterrestrial creatures i mean who knows if they're even extraterrestrial i think that's i think yeah that, in the in the classic sense yeah exactly <laughs> and i think the the problem is there's too many assumptions made and i think people like to you know i think i think most of most of the modern viewpoint is tainted by by that uh, what's it what's it called dualism 
sure. and it's also tainted by spiritualism. So you you have certain people who are think, focusing on, oh, well, they're here to help us, they're here to enlighten us, or whatever. It's like, well, how, how do you know? Well, right. <laughs> you don't. You you can't you can't know the the uh, motives or anything of something that's not human. So how can you put human? I think it's ultimately unfair to both us and aliens to instill non or human traits on non-human creatures yeah i mean who knows you've rattled the cages of uh, several big names on this show by uh raising that very question how can you apply did, human traits to these uh, alien creatures did you guys see um the seco saucers uh, group speak yesterday at the at the conference no uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance no because we were manning our book tables so M- mike stevens who's who's one of their their guys their uh, founders um, who you guys know? Who oh yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah, super, yeah. super guy. Great, great he, people. He was. They were talking about the importance of of talking about this because it's it's so taboo and you know and hush hush and nobody wants to talk about it. But he, they got people raising their hands if they think they've been abducted and this mm-hmm. and that. Um, and when oh, I did see some of that. Now that you mentioned, Mike yeah. Stevens got emotional. He was fighting back tears. Really, he, he was all choked up and. uh and so I don't think his experiences <laughs> were very pleasant, but he's, since the age of three all the way up until the present, he's been being abducted, um, and he literally was just fighting back tears, yeah. and, and uh, he could barely speak, and um, he it was almost like he was also, um, you, you, you would have to see him. I mean, it, it was it was pretty intense. Wow. Um, so I don't think the ones that he's encountered were very nice or trying to help help be helpful at all. Well, you know, <laughs> so he, he doesn't have very good experience. Maybe it's like Stockholm syndrome that you sort of you sort of come to to um, uh, agree with your your captor's ideals or whatever. Hmm. Because it seems as if I've I've asked this question to many many other ufologists, and it seems like well, why is there such a huge divide between experiences? Either people have amazing ones or terrible ones. Right. So I mean, you know, the human mind is capable of so many so many things including holding back trauma and being able to suppress that and maybe even changing the memories so right. that it's not as painful yeah so perhaps maybe there's something more psychologically going on that really isn't addressed well whole disclosure thing is is really fraught with peril the t word comes to mind and shane with your native oh, background we're coming up to a break actually oh, we, we pretty much are at a break sorry <laughs> Okay, we are at a break. Okay, well, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with our favorite guest co-host today, Shane Searway, Open Line Show, here on ON 1240, broadcasting in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley for 70 years plus. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe Callahan. Join me weekday mornings 5 to 8 for the ON Morning Fun Show. We'll have local news, state news, national news, Lou Mandeville on sports, great music, fun features, and trivia. Weekday mornings 5 to 8 on ON 1240, WON, One Socket Radio. Okay, welcome back. Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with guest co-host Shane Searway. Today we're doing an open line show answering your questions. And the number to call, 800-449-1240, anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. And meanwhile, let's continue with our email questions. Uh, actually, let, let's continue the, the disclosure discussion uh, that was prompted by, uh, who, uh, whose question is that? Uh, that was Shep. Uh, Shep, okay. And we don't know where Shep is from. No, we do not. Okay, it's his question mark. All right. so. uh, before the break, I was going to say, the whole thing brings to mind the, the T word, which is the trickster. 
and with Shane's Nader background, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Ben, you know too. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the idea that, um, well, the broad idea is that nothing is really what it appears to be. And I think it's especially true in in the paranormal that we. Uh, put our own spin on things. We have a very narrow paradigm. It's like we're looking through blinders and we see right in front of us, you know, and you, this or that, but things are happening to the right and to the left that we can't see, but we still interpret them according to what we can see or what we think we can see. So I don't think any of this has a pat answer to it. The, when, when we mentioned to Steve Bassett, uh, who was sort of the, the, uh, lead, one, the leader of the disclosure movement, uh, on the show, and I, well, I says, Steve, what if the truth, at least as 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 anybody may know it, is so horrible that it just shouldn't be revealed publicly? He says, I don't care. I st- I still want to know what it is. I think the example was if if uh, if a country is coming to bomb you or destroy you, or your country is going to war, wouldn't you want to know? But I, I think I think this is that's actually a, 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 in. Military Academy, that's uh, a strategic question that it, that comes up. Should people be told if the nukes are headed around the way? Especially when you have like five minutes, coming in over the pole, you have five minutes warning, what, what's the point? Hmm. You know, does it get to shelter? I, I mean, it, it's a question. I don't know the answer. I don't know if governments know the answer. There are procedures. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a moral question that I think can't be answered by the disclosure movement because they're like, well, if it's terrible, I, I just I just want to know. It's like, you know, sometimes the pursuit of truth leads you to very dark places. Yeah. So it's it's I think I think it's more of um more of a it, it's a very odd question to answer because it's both an ethical and moral question. Well, there's there's a there's another question that we always ask disclosure advocates and they always act as though they've never been asked the question before. And that's that, suppose there is disclosure from a government source. How do you know that it's true or accurate? I mean, I mean who believes the government anymore? <laughs> not, not to seem jaded or, or cynical, but I mean, how would we know that the information they release uh, is accurate, even if they release it? So that's just another question. Well, I mean, I, I suppose if, if um, uh, what was the guy's name, Shane? I can't remember. Uh, Tom DeLong. Tom DeLong. Right. There we go. I do. I did know it. So I, I think. I think if that's if that's the case, if there's if they're trying to go through the media, now that you mention it, it does kind of make sense. Like if you guys have ever seen Stranger Things, uh, the net the Netflix series, which is very good, very very good. Love I do I do I do recommend it. It's um I guess I guess if that's if that's the th- uh, true, then that's closer to our our theories of of the paranormal. Yeah, I, I try not to watch those things because I don't want people saying, "Oh, you get your ideas from that." Even though well, we're writing no. about them since the seventies. Well, no, I mean, you know, it's just it's just physics, yeah. really. Yes. I mean, kind of, but you know, it's it's Hollywoodized and all all that. But I, I think that if that's true, then the best way to slip information out to the public would be them not knowing it, especially since most people get most of their information via media sources and media outlets. There was a class I took. Um, in college, which was very interesting, which was media criticism. Not like criticism of the media, but mediums of media. So you criticize the medium in which you're viewing the media. That's very confusing, but the idea is the medium that produces the information, a lot of people can't really form new ideas anymore. Everything is pretty much just a reference to a reference to a reference. Mm. So we view things with references. 
Like how we talk in movie quotes, Dad. <laughs> like, yeah, our, our family's really creepy that way. You get yeah. a whole conversation. <laughs> but a lot of people do that. That's just how it is. Because in in this very post-post-modern world, we view things as a reference to a reference. So if you view a picture of a tree, is that better than viewing an actual tree? Or mm. a picture of a tree that's a picture of a tree of a picture of a tree? So it, it comes down to that sort of how we view things and how we talk about stuff. Hmm. Shane, any thoughts on this disclosure thing? I don't want to take up the whole show with it, but it's a good question. No, but um, I was approached yesterday um, by an investigator who's also in the audience, and um, she's got a case that she might bring us in on. Um, very interesting, and she seemed uh, very sincere about it, that she went to a house um, where things are going on in the house. You know, she said describing it just like a parasite, you know, because she, she heard my, my lecture, and uh, that's why she approached me. But she brought in a shaman uh, that she knows, supposed to be real good, um, and so they were, they were talking about what was going on, and the shaman says, wait a minute, I've been here before, 29 years ago, and basically he, he was, for the same reasons, there was things going on in the house, um, they were seeing creatures, this and that, things were being moved. So the shaman ended up pulling up the carpet. There was a trap door. They opened the trap door. He went down into this tunnel. There's a tunnel that leads through the property on the other side of a river or something like that, which they was it's fact that, that it's there. He went down into this tunnel, um, and he saw a series of red eyes that were popping up from behind a corner of, of one of the turns in the, in, the, in the tunnel, and all of a sudden there were more red eyes and more red eyes. He went back up, told the people, throw as much dirt down there, close this up, seal it shut, so make sure, you know, nothing can come out. And, um, stating that, I don't know, reptilians and stuff like that were down there, um, but now things are happening in the house again, and this guy's being tormented, so. These were man height <coughs> eyes? Or yes. Were they? Okay. Yeah, I, right. I believe that's what she said. Hmm. Now, there was a woman, I don't know if it's the same one, she was in our audience. You spoke after we did, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. She she came up to us, too. Yeah. Yes. I hope... I, I don't know if it was the same person, but I was watching her as we were speaking, and, and she was... Her eyes were just not bogging out, but she was extremely interested, and she was mentioning something. When we'd make a point, she'd mention something in great excitement to the to the woman next to her, and she came up to, to us afterwards. And yeah, th- these, these conferences and, and things are not the best venue to come to any of us with... Uh, a case because you know we're being pulled in 20 directions right. we're trying to take care of the equipment and you know we're, we're selling books and talking about you know so but if, if uh, the lady if, if it's the same person you mentioned do you have her contact information we encourage her to get in touch with us because we didn't have a chance to talk yesterday yes definitely just, um, she uh, took my card um, oh good okay she was holding a notepad and she was going to write it down I just handed if it's her the same lady if I'm it's thinking. the same lady but, but uh, please call us to get in touch with us just you can go to trueghost.com contact Shane behindtheparanormal.com uh, contact us uh, email is, is always best because it's in writing and uh, we would like to hear from because you said it's another flap case yeah. in her opinion because that's we, one of the things we were talking about all right, so there's that. But again, you know, thank you, uh, Shep, for the very interesting question on disclosure. Um, Actually, we'll this, see what this happens. next question is very interesting, and it'll probably round out the rest of the show. Okay. It is uh, from Lori in Keene, New Hampshire. Oh. So Lori writes to us, I have heard you talk about ghosts uh, that, can sp- that speak, uh, but they can't because they have no vocal cords if they are spirits. The idea of physical people in parallel worlds doing the speaking makes sense. But aren't there other ways that sound can be made other than physical ways. I've heard ghost hunters talk about concentrated energy-producing sounds. Ben, that's your domain, sound. 
Well, I'd be interested in, in Shane's thoughts as well, but I'll, I'll throw my, my two cents in there. Well, the way sound is made is by disturbing air molecules. We know this. It's it's a pretty pretty easy fact. It's called amplitude modulation. And essentially, um, when we talk, we our, well, our vocal cords disturb the air molecules around it, and that's what creates sounds. So I think that it's possible that other other ways uh, there's other ways that can be made, but there's also you know all sorts of like weird things that happen with our brains where we think we hear things, or um, I don't know how how else it could be made physically using you know Newtonian physics. I think the or well not Newtonian physics, but you know basic modern modern physics. The the way that it would be made is through vibrations, um, whether whether caused by some sort of I don't know, like a, like a, a broken heating vent or something, something that 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 can disturb the air molecules around it. Now, I think the idea of concentrated energy, whatever whatever that means, I think that would need to be defined first because it's like, oh well, it's just concentrated energy. Well, it's like, well, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> like what kind of energy are we talking about here? Well, I would make the I, uh, that's most astute, Ben, but I can't help but think of the ways that I sometimes, and I don't like to talk about this because it sounds like I'm doing the medium thing, but when I will hear um, words in whatever language the person or whatever it is is speaking, um, I do sort of hear them as if they're they're speaking. Now, I, I'm the main one that's criticizing the whole vocal cords thing with spirits, but I think that if, if you've got vocal cords from across the membrane, uh, of a parallel world, as a physicist might put it, uh, you can still hear it. It might not be exactly as you could hear it on, in, in the, the world or whatever you want to call it in which the, the speaker is speaking. Um, but that, that's one of the things that convinced me that we're not dealing with uh, spiritual entities. Uh, first of all, the laws of physics in our world wouldn't really permit that. Uh, but because we can conceive it, there must be worlds in which they are. there are sort of spirit beings in, in some sense that we would understand it, but they, they would not be anywhere near our world family, I shouldn't think. So I think we're dealing with, with very physical beings. So that's the thing. Shane, Shane, what say you? Yeah, I agree with that too. Um, one thing that I thought was 27 years ago, um, there was an apparition that I saw uh, cl- just as plain as I see you um, of an older lady, and she spoke to me, but her mouth, her mouth did not move. Hmm. Her voice was in my head, but I heard her clearly. And what she said to me played out over two years, and everything that she said was accurate. Things I didn't know about. Yeah. She, um, it she to, was one of your descendants, to get it, back to Phil's question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a long story, so I won't get into it. But uh, it, it had to do with people of the house that I was in. Um, there was a, a family um, issue there, and she told, she exposed it to me um, so I could bring out the truth. And this is, this is a fact. Um, and... Um, so that got me thinking, you know, just like, you know, Ben says, you know, you, you need vocal cords to, to disturb the air. So how else was, was I able to hear that? And I started thinking frequency, and maybe we act as a receiver to these frequencies, these vibration fre- frequencies. And that's why, how I think, why um, these EVP recorders do work. I was very skeptical mm-hmm. when... I was approached by Mike Sullivan, who's a very good EVP specialist. Um, he's been doing it a long time and who wanted to work with me. Back in like 2003 or so, I remember meeting him. Yes, one time, yeah, and he, he's very good. And so he, he, we were getting recordings of things, commenting on what we were doing. They called him by name. My name was called, which is not the most common name. 
So it got me to, cause I, I, I had a <clears throat> guitar amplifier that the ground was broken off of, right? And, if my hands weren't muting the strings or, or weren't touching the strings, I would get CB radio coming through my, my amplifier, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, I said, you know, there's sound waves out there all over the place. So uh, I was skeptical. I said, but tell you what, I was being interviewed at, for uh, a newspaper. I said, meet me there, and, and I'll see what you can do, you know, see what this is all about. And uh, sure enough, he was getting things called by by his name, commenting on what we were doing, commenting on the fact that he felt weak and vulnerable in this because he had never been in an actual location that was supposed to be haunted. He'd always just go to cemeteries or whatever. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> so that got me thinking, you know, some of the recorders that I have, some of them are real high dollar ones, I don't get anything. Some of them are unshielded and, and cheaper, and I get all kinds of stuff And on these recorders, and so does Mike, like a Panasonic DR60 is the, the, the best one, you know, and like I said, we get things commenting on what's going on, so it, to me, there, I think there's something there, um, and... And I think it's because of frequency. And I think these things are picking up on those frequencies. So I think that's why a lot of times people in the room can't hear it, but it's being recorded, you know. Mm, yeah, right. So there's, right. I don't think vocal cords are, are needed in that case. But, um, that's a good point. So that's what got me thinking. You know, it all started with that, that apparition of that lady that when she spoke to me, it was in my head. Yeah, you know, and so so maybe we're looking at it uh, two dimensionally, and uh, we should be looking uh, from other points of view as well. Yeah, on I'm, that issue, I really that's I strongly feel that this that that's the case, and I think that's why the the emotional uh, our emotional frequencies tie into all this too, and that's what attracts huh. these parasites to us, and that's how they're drawn. Well, good something to think about. Yeah, good points. Hmm. Okay, uh, any more on that, Ben? Or uh, no, I think it's I think it's all some good good food for thought, mostly because. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's there's just so much I, I I that you that we I don't know about in that in that area. I just I just know how basic basic sound physics works. Yeah, mm. well, as you say, it's first day of school. Pretty much, yeah. All right. Uh, probably have time for one more. I believe we do. Let me uh, just give you this because that's okay. the old one, and this is the new one. So Jake from Marietta, Ohio. Oh, it's a short question, which means it's going to take 20 minutes to answer. <laughs> Uh, Jake writes to us, Do you find that paranormal experiences can depend on age? In other words, do younger people have different experiences than older people? Well, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I, I think you have the, the uh, quote from the prophet Joel, uh, young men shall see, see you know, old men, young men shall see visions, old men shall dream dreams. <laughs> and as, as I've gotten uh, older, uh, lack of a better term, um, I don't know. I, I, I have very, very, I've always had vivid dreams, but I, I don't know. So maybe somebody knew something about that. So what do you think? In your experience, Shane, has, uh, do you encounter different sorts of experiences with younger people as opposed to older people? As far as paranormal experiences? Yeah, of course, there's also the issue of maturity, maybe, uh, and somebody's been around the block and somebody has not when they're young and maybe reacts differently to the same experience. I don't know. What yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of different experiences we could be talking about, so I'm not sure exactly, if, but if we're talking in general, uh, as we know, like little small children seem to to be more, you know, um, able to see things and experience things and, you know, such because they haven't been programmed by society. Mm. Um, but I, I really, I've seen... The, with the cases I've done, you know, say like, like parasites, um, they've attached and attacked all ages, and um, and um, rarely do I see small children being attacked by parasites. I've, I have seen it, but it usually it was it was 
as a product to get. For instance, I did a case in, in uh, Rochester, New Hampshire, one time where the well, no, actually, there's a different case um, where we're telling the the family to ignore it. It was, it was really pretty much affecting a woman, and um, I, so we told her you got you got to you can't give it any attention. Don't be afraid of it because you can't. That's that's you know you're feeding it that way, and be as positive as possible, and and just shut it off from your internal dialogue. And if something happens, just act like that, that's part of life, you know. Mm. And so she she did a great job. So what this thing did, it, it was like okay, well, if you're not gonna pay attention to me i know how to get you to pay attention to me and it started messing with the kid so i think that's usually what what when i find when the kids are being attacked it's usually to strike a nerve in somebody else that was the original host yeah i agree with that and so i i think um you know early teenage years we see it there um but the you know um i I don't kids are less likely I i think to be you know have a parasite but they see other apparitions. They get their little friend, yeah. uh, <clears throat> is a sure. oh, yeah, Connecticut case. Yeah, um, that's a classic. Yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, no, I mean, I, I don't see. I mean, I've, I've, yeah. I've dealt with people on different aspects of the paranormal at all, at all ages. I mean. Ben, what do you think? When you were, from practically the minute you could talk, you would start talking about other, it seemed to me, other lives or other parallel lives, whatever, or all stories, you know, and uh, you, you, we'd be like on family vacations, and, and you would just fascinate us for literally, literally for hours in the car, the whatever we were driving at the time, and uh, talking about this, I mean, what, how has, if, if not to put you on the spot, but if you, you're comfortable <laughs> talking about it, what, what uh, how was your experience of the paranormal change since you were, you were little? Now um, you're 25. Well, I can tell you that I remember nothing of that, so <laughs> I'm just going just gonna <laughs> well, yeah, to breeze. Things happen to you, and then you don't remember. I'm just going to breeze right by that. So okay, we'll, uh, all right. Fair enough. So, I mean, I guess, I mean, you know, uh, I'd say that it's it's based on, you know, nature versus nurture kind of kind of thing. Uh-oh. I mean, you, you nurtured me from from, you know childhood until now so of course i'm gonna i'm gonna talk almost exactly like you well you don't want to talk like your son of frankenstein or something no 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 that's yeah. not that's not what i'm saying yeah. what, I, what i'm saying is i think that um people's people's outlooks depend on their experiences so we are all the sum of all of our experiences so once i experienced something as a child it was I, I, let, me, let me put it to you like this uh one time i was i think i was like five or six and i remember i felt like um Someone was like brushing my hair when I was like I was like I remember that I was was, like trying to sleep and like I was like I was like that's weird and I I it it was getting really annoying so I got up and I I went over to mom and I was like in in her bedroom and I was like mom I was like it feels like someone's like stroking my hair and like she was like oh those are that's just those are just your ancestors or something which was something your mother said that yeah. Married thirty six years, she never ceases to amaze me. Go ahead. Yeah, she yeah she said something like that, and I was just like, oh okay, that's cool. So I sort of I just went back to bed, and I you know I I felt a little I felt a little better about it. I wasn't as annoyed because I wasn't scared. I was just annoyed. So I I sort of moved on from there. And so every every experience that I've ever had, I've always come to you or mom and mm-hmm. and and asked, okay, well, what is this? And so it was explained to me in a very matter-of-fact way, like, all right, well, this is this and this is that. So I don't think 
that I ever had the experience of, oh, it's a dead person coming to, coming to get me. <laughs> yeah, right. it, it, it was always something, you know, rather up, uplifting or, um, you know, some something that's a little bit out of the ordinary as opposed to my peers who are like, oh, well, it's all spooky, scary skeletons and yeah. all this. So I think that the um, the way that that we we view things definitely changes how the paranormal affects us. Absolutely. So wow. I mean... So I mean, you know, I if you're only exposed to ghost stories through your your childhood and teens and when you're an adult, of course you're going to view things that way. But if you if you view it in a different aspect, even if it's a spirit spiritualist aspect, you know, of course you're going to view it in a different way. I've found that in my generation spiritualism isn't as prevalent as it is in its previous generations. I find that, you know, people people like the whole idea of energy crystals and, and all that, but that's as, as far as they go. They don't, they're not like, oh, I got spirit guides and all this stuff. Like, if you notice the people at our conferences, they're usually around the ages of, like, 30 to 50 in that, yeah, in that like, area. Yeah. You don't really see anybody that's, like, under that demographic. And if you do, they're usually relatively normal people who are just, you know, they're just passing by. It's not like a lifestyle to them. Mm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think I think the idea is is it's a, I think it's a generational thing. I think the way that people view the paranormal now is different than how it used to be viewed. Now you see, I, I just read a statistic that I think it was something like fifty percent of um, people, fifty one percent actually believe that there's life outside of our uh, outside of our planet, and they they there's another like sixty something percent that believe in an afterlife, and uh, or or whatever, as opposed to you know, I, I think that that's also kind of scary because that sort of means that the new nihilism is is really in effect because that's sort of a thing yeah. in modern culture in in my generation is sort of an, a nihilistic view of the world. So if you talk to people, they'll be like, ah, I don't really believe in anything. It doesn't really matter, you know. Just, I just care more about the next gadget I'm going to get. Mm, it's mm. it's really very depressing, and I've I've read a lot of different like philosophers talking about um, like modern nihilism and how it's really like detrimental to our culture. So I think that the cultural aspect of the paranormal is interesting because it inspires people to think about. Not only the afterlife, but what life really means. Yeah, I think. Well, I'm, there we go. Go ahead. I think yeah. another important thing to add too is um, that we, we've talked about this before. Um, say, just to use an example, the the house in Connecticut, uh, the, the Don and Bob's house, um, warm, loving family, very, very active home, um, but not aggressively negative haunt. It's it's uh, very active. All kinds of weird things happening, but. But loving family, and that's what dictates that. The environment that we maintain inside our home dictates usually the type of activity. So you put a family in that, that's dysfunctional or fearful of what's going on, and things usually you draw it draws in a parasite, something more aggressive. Well, so, so I, I think that you know that that plays a big part of it too. I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, uh, let's wrap things up. And uh, Shane, tell us about yourself. Your your website and where people can uh, reach you and find out more about you yeah um trulos.com and uh my cell phone number is 603-913-4790 and we will both be speaking all three of us be speaking are you guys speaking at the symposium oh yeah no we got all the announcements okay yeah Yeah, yeah, all right we got plenty of plugs for that okay great thanks shane ben what do we got we have many things going on just allow me to get to our plethora of events. So all three of us would like to thank uh, Tom Spitaleri 
and uh, the other organizers of the 2017 New England Parafest, and uh, that is that was held in Kittery, Maine yesterday, which we all made the trek up there, and Shane somehow managed to survive after having one hour of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that event has come a long way in the past five years, I must say, and uh, there were a lot of there was a great crowd, interesting exhibitors, and some great speakers, including Shane, who did a terrific job, and uh, despite the fact of the sleep deprivation. So last week's guest, Ronnie LeBlanc, was also a speaker. Uh, our latest book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, is in most bookstores. Uh, and if they don't have it, they can get it. It's also available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Usual Suspects. Uh, but if you're really desperate, you can get an autographed copy at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com. Uh, just follow the links. Okay, so we offer a double feature in Connecticut this coming Saturday. That's May 6th, and we'll address the uh, Connecticut char- uh, chapter of MUFON at 11 a.m. at uh, AD's Restaurant in Windsor Locks, then swim across the river to South Windsor, where we will present at the new home of the Book Club or the book club Bookstore at 3 p.m., and that's free and open to the public. Well, I may take a kayak. I don't know about the story. Um, all three of us will be speakers at the Saucer Symposium at the KRI Center for Consciousness Studies in Stratham, New Hampshire, on May 20th. And 21st. Ben uh, and I will present on Saturday, and then on Sunday we'll do the live show, noon to 1 p.m., uh, from that event with a panel of speakers, including Shane and Ronnie. Do you know when you're speaking? Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Saturday. Okay, cool. So, uh, moving right along here, Ben. Uh, we will be back for a presentation at the wonderful Book Lovers Gourmet Bookstore, uh, <coughs> excuse me, and Cafe in Webster, Massachusetts, right here in our listening area on Saturday, uh, June 17th at 1 p.m. And that brings us to Saturday, June 24th, and it's uh, back at the Danbury Public Library in Connecticut, where we will do something we've never done before, a presentation specifically for young people ages uh, 7 to 14. The program is Monster Hunters, a cryptozoological or a crypto- cryptozoology workshop with Paul and Ben Eno. And uh, we hope to have our new book, Behind the Paranormal, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You've Never Heard Of, uh, that will be released at the event, hopefully. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Well, I think we'd better skip... Uh, oh yes. Yeah. We're gonna, so, what do we got coming up next week, Ben? Alrighty. So next week, uh, we will have a uh, great guest back. That's Nick Redfern, who we haven't had on in, in quite a while, actually. Uh, well, it was a few months ago we had. Yeah, seems like a while. Yeah, seems so like a while. Monster Hunter and UFO Researcher for a talk about 365 days of UFOs. There's no uh, no such thing as too much Nick Redfern, right? Of course. Yeah. So uh, we'll leave you this afternoon with a wise old saying from nobody knows whom. Don't think about what you have to lose. Think about what you have to gain. Okay. Uh, Shane, tell us your website one more time. TrueGhost.com. Okay. And uh, where? And maybe your, you don't mind giving your phone number out over the years. No. 603-913-4790. Great. Okay, folks, I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Shane Stairway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.